Between the stimulus and the reaction, the response, there's a gap. In that gap is your freedom. In that gap, you can choose how you're going to react. There's three kinds of anger. There's anger that's healthy. Every mammal has healthy anger. Nature gave it to us as a boundary defense. Children have all kinds of emotions. They have to be able to experience and express them all. They repress the anger in order to be accepted. Now they're going to be very nice. And even when you intrude on them, they're not going to be angry. That kind of repressed anger is a major cause of depression. Because what does depression mean in English? To depress something is to push it down. In couples, when somebody feels hurt, the immediate desire is to hit back, hit out. Well, how about just feel the hurt, feel the grief, and then look at, be curious about what happened. When my partner spoke harshly to me, maybe I did something to cause her to be in pain, to cause her to be upset with me. Hello, Dr. Gabor Mate. Hi. Welcome to our show. We are Brain VR, and this is just going to be really a quick interview, kind of. We are used to two hours plus interviews, but I would like to ask you, what is alive for you right now? What is alive? Yes, what is alive in you right now? Well, the biggest thing in my mind right now is what's happening in Israel, Palestine. Mm. Um, as a Jewish survivor of the Holocaust, I obviously have strong feelings about it, but the feelings I have is that the trauma that happened to the Jewish people is not being transferred to the Palestinian people. And I've been there a few times, I've been to Gaza. I came to the West Bank just last year. I worked with Palestinian women tortured in Israeli jails. And the trauma that we've inflicted on that people is one of the worst things in the 20th and 21st centuries. I feel terrible about it. Um, the destruction of life now, you know, the, the terrible killings last week by Hamas. I'm not justifying them. But when you imprison people, torture them, you deprive them of any possibility, you expel them from their homes, you put them beyond barbed wire, and every few years you bomb them and you kill hundreds of them, children. Oh boy, I could go on forever, but it, mm -hmm. it, it's emotionally very upsetting for me, and any opportunity I get to speak about it, I do, because unfortunately, it's the victors that always write the history. That's told makes the indigenous local population into the villains and the people that expel them from their homes and repress them. They're the heroes, and it really upsets me. So that's what. These are like really strong emotions and feelings that can appear like in a lot of people and it's about what's happening right now. It's It happened like when the Ukrainian conflict uh, uh, appeared and also like with COVID. These are really strong emotions that are influencing our everyday lives. How do you think one can work with them to actually be able to function in a world, in a well, changing world? Well, the most important thing is When you have an emotion, allow yourself to feel it, but don't let it tell you what to do right away. Create some space between yourself and the emotion. I mean, the, let's say, there was killings by Hamas 10 days ago now. The emotion is rage, desire for revenge, hatred. 
those emotions are totally understandable. Fear. But those emotions are based on a certain interpretation of the situation. I mean, they're totally natural emotions, but they don't tell you what's going on or why it's going on. So first of all, have your emotions, but be curious about what happened here. Don't let the emotions guide your actions right away. This happens in individual life, you know, like in couples when somebody feels hurt, the immediate desire is to hit back, hit out. Well, how about just feel the hurt, feel the grief, and then look at, be curious about what happened. Maybe when my partner spoke harshly to me, maybe I did something to cause her to be in pain, to cause her to be upset with me. In other words, the relationship has to be understood. So we need time to consider. So, yeah, we can have these strong emotions, but they cannot be the guides to what we do. It's sometimes very hard to sit with these emotions alone in the room and just like observing them, letting them us affecting our body. And you often talk about repressed anger. I think about, about repressed anger yeah, yeah. and repressed emotions. I, and I think it's it's quite connected to it. Like, can you talk about it a little more? Like, sure. Well, it is hard to sit with emotions, um, but if you don't, you have no freedom. Um, an American psychologist, Rollo May, said that <clears throat> between the stimulus and the reaction, the response, there's a gap. In that gap is your freedom. In that gap, you can choose how you're going to react. Now, if there's no gap, if there's a stimulus and I react right away, unless my life is threatened, You know, but most situations, life is not threatened. Um, if between the stimulus and the reaction, <clears throat> there's no gap where I can consider what's going on and what my options are, there's no freedom. And I'm a puppet. I'm controlled by my emotions. Now, with anger, there's three kinds of anger. <clears throat> there's anger that's healthy, it's in the moment. And if you were to intrude in my space right now, I'd be angry, stay out. That's a boundary defense. It's in the moment. As soon as it does its job, it's finished, it's gone. That's healthy anger. We have it, every mammal has healthy anger. Nature gave it to us as a boundary defense. Then there is rage, which is not healthy anger. Rage is where old pain and old hurts get triggered, and it's not about the present. For example, you call me stupid right now, okay? You didn't, but if you did. If I didn't have a hurt inside me, if I didn't believe that maybe I was stupid, because that's what they called me when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. If you called me stupid, I'd just say, why did you say that? Or, or please don't say that. But if inside I had a negative self-image and I really believed that I was stupid because that's what everybody told me when I was a kid, I might go into a rage. And 
then my rage would have nothing to do with what you said. It had to do with the past. Mm -hmm. And the nature of that kind of rage is that the more you have it, the bigger it gets. So the more rage the brain experiences, more of the brain is taken over by rage. So instead of being finished after it does its job, it just gets bigger and bigger. That kind of rage gives you strokes and heart attacks and high blood pressure mm -hmm. and heart disease. Mm -hmm. So that's the second dynamic around anger. The third one are people that don't even feel the anger. They repress it. Now, why did they repress it? Because when they were children, they ever got the message that if you have anger, you're not acceptable to us. The child has to be acceptable to the parents. If the parents can't accept the child's anger, which is a healthy emotion, it's necessary. Children have all kinds of emotions. They have to be able to experience and express them all. And if that is forbidden to them, they'll repress the anger in order to be accepted. Now they're gonna be very nice. And even when you intrude on them, they're not gonna be angry. That kind of repressed anger is a major cause of depression, because what does depression mean in English? To depress something is to push it down. Mm -hmm. Or it can lead to, I can't go into the details, but in my books I write about it, repressed anger can trigger autoimmune disease and um, even malignancy. So when you talk to people with malignancy and um, breast cancer and so on, and, and rheumatoid arthritis, multiple sclerosis, um, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, inflammations, very often, very often repressed anger is a major contributor. So there's healthy anger, there's unhealthy rage, then there's repressed anger. Mm -hmm. Two of them are not very good for you. <laughs> and is it connected to people pleasing and like unability un to setting up boundaries? Because I think, Many people have problem with it in yeah, yeah. society. Yeah, I mean, and it's, it's about people pleasing, but no baby is born as a people pleaser. A baby is not going to lie there and say, you know, I'm hungry and I'm lonely and I'm tired and I'm hung and I'm uncomfortable, but I'm going to please my mother and not going to wake her up. Baby was just us crying. We're born like that. So become people pleasers, not because that's our nature, but because we got the message that only if we please the parents do we get to be accepted. Mm. The child's biggest need is to be accepted. If that takes people, and also in a family where the parents are not well, where the father's an alcoholic, where the mother's depressed, the child will automatically start taking care of the parents by pushing down their own emotions. So not to bother the parent anymore. There's a lot of people pleasers in the society. They've lost connection to themselves. And I always worry about those people because they're the ones that I see in my office with all kinds of diseases. Yeah. These experiences usually create some inner beliefs. Yeah. And some of those inner beliefs might not be useful at all. Um, that might they, they might lead to the to the people pleasing and stuff like that. Yeah. And so right now maybe someone is listening to this and there's like this how do I found find out what are my inner beliefs are? Because I may be, I may be I'm pushing the shame or something that I've done when I was young and I'm, I might be trying to like ignore that is yeah. a way to actually again come up with the situation, come up with the emotions and try to finish the cycle of the feeling and trying to accept 
accept the shame and accept maybe some of the shadows that we've been through. Well, yeah. So what happens is something will happen. There's going to be some kind of crisis. You're going to get depressed. You're going to be in a relationship and find yourself very unhappy. You might develop a disease and um, that might wake you up. And then you have to start asking, well, why? And um, there's always a way um, that true self, that connection to the self that you suppressed as a child, it's, it's always available. It's always here. It's a question of recognizing when it's not here and what the consequences are. So for example, I mean, I can ask you guys, have you ever had the sense that at a party last night or in this conversation with somebody, I wasn't being myself somehow. Have you had that experience? Yes. Yes, definitely. Okay, right. How did you know that you weren't being yourself? It just, it was a feeling somewhere in yeah. the body. And whose feeling was that? Yeah. That's your true self. It's always there. You just have to pay attention to it, mm -hmm. you know? And if you don't pay attention, your body won't. Will will pay attention. It's going to make you feel really bad in some ways. So we have to pay attention to ourselves. I, it sounds to me it's it's like a lifelong battle that we have with our like. Well, battle is one way to put it. Yeah, it's a lifelong process. Lifelong process. It doesn't have to be a battle. Yeah, yeah and like <laughs> I was leading like to that maybe like the restoring the, of the connection between. Yeah. What, what is my authentic self and what is like these patterns from my childhood, these yeah. inner beliefs, yeah. like to accept them, that they are part of my personality, they are part of me and just like create the bridge between them. But how do I know uh, what my authentic self is? There's no how, you just know. Um, and your body will tell you. Have you had experiences of being in your authentic self? Yes. Okay. What does your body feel like when it's like that? Like in a flow. Like I'm in a flow, I'm happy. Fullness? Yes. Flow. Oh. Wholeness. Flow. State of flow, kind of that yeah. I'm on a wave, like I'm surfing through life, something like okay. this. So, oh, in a flow, and mm -hmm. a wave. Okay, well then, that's how you know. <laughs> you know. Yeah. You don't have to ask me how you know, you know. Yeah. Your brain, your mind doesn't know, because it's trying to figure out, you know. Forget the mind. <laughs> But but you know, and, yeah. and have you also had the experience of not being yourself? Yes. What does your body feel like then? Terrible. Yeah. Well, in what way? Like um, gross, kind of. Tight. Yes. Tension. Well, that's how you know. Hmm. Your body will tell you. I've got last question for you. Yeah. How do you keep in contact with your authentic self? Well, by first of all, by noticing when it's not there, and who's noticing. <laughs> Number one. Number two, um, having some kind of a practice and, and actually looking at your life, what in my life supports my authentic self and what doesn't, which kind of activities nourish it, which kind of activities undermine it. If I spend a lot of time on the internet clicking from one thing, to, does that support my authentic self? You know, um, so what feeds it, what starves it, what supports it, what, uh, uh, diminishes it. Mm. Which relationships in my life can support my authentic self? Which relationships demand that I suppress my authentic self? Dr. Gabor Mate, thank you so much. Uh, I love the thing that you don't have to look at 
studies and this and that but mm. we just if we pay enough attention to ourselves we yeah. can find what's inside and you just sometimes you just know it's the moment kind of moment of rightness the feeling of rightness and that's a beautiful guide yeah and it leads to reconnection and we don't have for unfortunately we don't have any more time but yeah. thank you so much well, for what you do in the world and thank you for you know coming here to, to prague and accepting the interview here thank you well thank, thank you very much, much.